0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: I want to do something today that, yeah, I've been... I've been preaching now over 21, 22 years now, and in, in all that time, I've, I've never done this, but I'm going to do it today. I'm going to preach directly at you. Now, I don't know who the you is, but I'm going to speak directly to you here today, because the reality of our message here today is, Luke has been kind of showing us as we've been going along on our earth walk through the Gospel of Luke, that People are responding to Jesus in different ways. Some accept what he's saying, some are rejecting. Some, some receive it and it bears fruit in their life, some are just cold and stale towards it. And so as we get to this part in Luke now, Jesus is going to tell a very well-known parable, and it is the parable of the sower. And from this parable, he's really going to talk about the way people respond to him. Understand what I mean by that. You, you and I have to make a decision about Jesus. And that decision really is a reflection of how you are responding to him. If you believe who he is, you're going to respond a certain way. If you don't really care who he is, you're going to respond a certain way. You are going to respond in a way, some way towards Jesus. And we're actually going to see several different ways that people respond to him today from this passage. Jesus is the one who's telling us this. And so it's, it's my hope, my prayer, that as I was, was going through and studying this lesson and thinking about this lesson all this week, that you and I will actually respond the way Jesus wants us to respond. Because you're going to fit into one of four different ways of responding to him here today, folks. There's only, there's only four different ways you can respond to him. And we're going to see that as we get into this parable. So let me let's, we're looking at verses 4 through 15. So let's read this together, and we'll go and see what we need to see here. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on the ground, good ground, and sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has an ear, he who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it is given in parables. That, seeing, they may not see. And hearing, they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those when they hear, Receive the word with joy, and these have no root. They believe for a while, and in the time of temptation, fall away. The ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. We could break this parable, this section up of Scripture here, verses 14 through 15, into two different sections. We're going to first of all talk about the nature of his teaching. We'll see that in verses 9 through 10. And then we're going to talk about the four different responses, verses 11 through 15. First of all, I want you to understand why Jesus taught the way he did. Jesus is interesting. And when he teaches, it's almost like, well, how many guys, maybe you can relate to me here. You, you ever have a conversation with your wife, and, and she wants to tell you about something, and you're one of those direct guys, I'm a direct guy, just tell me the facts, tell me it, I want to know it right now, and it's like we've got to go for a journey around the barn six times before we walk through the door. I'm in trouble, but i got to tell you, guys can relate to me here, okay? <laughs> I love you, Lord. <laughs> and... But and 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 part of it is you got to learn to just learn to adapt, right, guys? Okay. So anyhow, Jesus is like that. He doesn't just cut to the chase and tell you what he's trying to say here. He tells it in ways that cause you to think. He tells you in ways that causes you to ponder what he's saying. What is he saying? What's the meaning of what he's saying? That is the way Jesus taught. He taught in parables. Now, a parable is a story oftentimes picked from the everyday life of those people. And so because they're an agrarian a culture, a farming culture, they basically would understand someone going out and sowing seed. So he—that that is what a parable is. It's a story based, basically trying to communicate a truth. So let's talk about the nature of his teaching here. The first thing I want you to see is that the parables divided people into two groups. When he taught in a parable, Jesus specifically was teaching to divide people into two groups. He didn't just throw a story out there for the sake of a story. He wanted to divide people into two groups of people. People who understood and people who didn't. And we're going to talk about those two groups in a moment. But the reality is is that Jesus is very purposeful in his teaching. He's communicating truths out there, and he wants to divide the world into two groups of people. People who understand what he's saying, people who don't. Let's stop for a moment. We're going to talk about how you understand and how you don't understand here in a moment. The first ones are those who understand. Look with me. Look at what it says there in verse 10. To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. What's he saying here? Some have been given the gift to understand. See, here's what divides the two groups of people. You have those who understand, and you have those who don't. When Jesus teaches in a parable, there are those who say, Oh, man, I grasped it. I understand what he's saying. There are others who say, Oh, that's a nice little story. What in the world was that about? Here's what Jesus is saying To some, it has been given to them the gift of understanding so that they can understand. The mysteries. The secrets there actually is the mysteries of the kingdom of God. See, it's a gift from God. The fact is, is that if you understand, as you read the Bible, here's what I'm saying to you, as you read the Bible, as you read the Bible and you understand what is communicating there, as you, you grasp what is communicating, as you understand it, that was a gift given to you to understand it. The Holy Spirit gave you an understanding. That's a gift that is given to you. Because to some, they have been given the gift to understand. The nature of his teaching is is you've got to be gifted to understand. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives you understanding. This is what Jesus is saying. To understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Now, this is an important point I want you to understand because some of you are so defeated because, listen to me, you are communicating your faith, you're communicating truths of the Bible with people, and they're like, huh? What? And they don't grasp what you're saying. And you're like, well, there must be something wrong with me. I must not be communicating it right. No. Some have been given the gift to understand. This is the reality. So what brings up the next point here? Let's talk about that second group. Some cannot see because they made up their minds. See, the reason why the others don't see it is because they've already made up their minds. They've already made up their hearts That it isn't true. See, if you're seeking after truth, if you're seeking after to know the true God and to know who Jesus is, you'll be given the gift. But if you've made up your mind already, look at In fact, this is what Jesus says. But to the rest, it was given in parables that, look at what it says, seeing they may not see, hearing they may not understand. Well, what's what's he saying here he's saying look they have already made up their mind so you know what have you ever have you ever talked to somebody who's already made up their mind I mean you're going into a meeting or something or you're going into some you're going into some sort of discussion maybe it's a family time or whatever and and it's like uh, sc- excuse me but don't 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 bother me with facts I've already made up my mind and they go in it doesn't matter how many facts you lay out before them a lot of times they have emotionally already made their decision I mean you know what I'm talking about And it's like you could sit there and talk to your blue in the face. You could have the people who were actually involved in it come and say, yes, I did this. Yes, he did this to me. Oh no, I've made up my mind already. They're not going to understand, are they? This is what Jesus is saying here. Seeing, they don't see. Hearing, they don't understand. Some will believe because it's been given the gift of understanding. Some They've already made up their mind so they can't grasp it. They can't see it. And this is the nature of his teaching. Now, folks, I'm going to be honest with you. You're going to fall into one of those two groups of people here today. You understand that? So when I say I'm preaching at you, I'm preaching at you. And the reality is, is you've entered into this place, and you fall into one of those two groups. You either understand you can see it, and it was a gift that was given to you, or you've already made up your mind, and it doesn't matter what it said You've already decided. You can't see it. But see, then Jesus then goes out and says, well, let me explain the parable to you because it goes a little bit deeper than that. There are four responses. And folks, today, you and I belong to one of these four groups. So look with me. Look at me again. We're going to look at verses 11 through 15. He's basically going to describe the soils. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And those... By the wayside are those who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Here's the first response I want you to see. Some are blinded to the truth by Satan. Some are blinded to the truth by Satan. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The sower here is Jesus. He's coming and he's sowing the word, the word of God. And the reality is is that some of that seed, some of that falls on the wayside, and when you throw seed out, what happens? Have you noticed when you go by bird feed, what is it, folks? Seed. The birds come and get it. And here's what Jesus says. What I'm describing to you is is that the Word of God goes out and it is snatched from the lives of people by Satan, lest they should, what, understand and be saved. Friends, we have a world in which we live in today that is ruled by a God of this world, Satan, and he does not want people to come to know truth. And so given the opportunity, he will what? Blind people to the truth. Listen, you're sitting there, you've talked blue in your face to your loved one, you've talked to your, to your neighbor, you've talked to the guy that you work with about Christ. He can't see it. I'm going to tell you why. In fact, let me tell you what Paul says. Paul says this. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, he says this, but even if our gospel is veiled, he's answering a question here. Some are saying that, that they're hiding the gospel. He's saying, no, we're not hiding the gospel, but even if it was hidden, here's what he says, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should sign on them. What's he saying? The only reason why our gospel is hidden is because somebody is hiding it from them. Who's hiding it? It's someone who's blinding people, folks. Satan blinds people from the truth. They can't see it. Let me just stop for a minute. You know how you pray for somebody then? All right, let me just stop for a minute. How many of you have someone you know, a loved one, friend, relative, somebody you work with, you share with them, they can't see it. No matter what you do, they just can't see it. Raise your hand. All right, first of all, I want everybody to look around. Keep your hands up. Alright, right, everybody sit. Look. Why do I have you raise your hand? First of all, you're not the only one facing it. Here's how you pray for them. Lord, open their eyes. Satan's blinded them, Lord. They can't see it. Open their eyes. You know, we like to pray these generic prayers. I know because I pray them to myself. Oh, God, save them. No, I need to be a little bit more specific. God, open their eyes. Open their eyes so they can see the truth. What will the truth do? It will set them free. But they've got to see it. And Jesus is saying that there is this one group, this one group that responds, they can't see it. Because before the Word even gets near them, it is, they're blinded to it. They can't see it at all. Maybe you're here, and you belong to this group. You can't see it. You can't see it at all. Because your heart is blinded to the reality. And Can I be honest with you, friends? I'm, I'm not surprised. Because if you can't see it, that says something. You're being blinded by the enemy of this world. There's a second group. Let's look at it. Let's, let's continue on here. Look at me. Verse 13. But the ones in the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. Here's what I want you to see. Momentary response cannot survive testing. Momentary response cannot survive testing. Now, here's the second group. This is the the group that comes to church. They come to church for a while. It might be for a few months. It might be for a few years. But here's what's going on with them. They, they, They respond to the Word. They're excited about the Word. They're excited about Jesus for the moment. And maybe their reasons for excitement are different. They might be excited because, hey, they like the atmosphere. Hey, they like the music. Hey, they like the people. They like the activities. And, and they respond for the moment. and they're, they're excited. But here's what happens. It's a momentary response. I'm going to say to something to you. I don't believe they're saved. But they're excited about Jesus. Because here's what happens. Because life happens, does it not, folks? And the hour of temptation, the hour of testing, the word there actually means testing, comes along. What kind of testing? Problems. In fact, the illustration that Jesus is giving, it's like a plant. Their their roots are shallow, so they're all excited. They look really good, but they're shallow. And then there's no moisture there. And then when the sun comes, drought comes, what happens when the sun comes? It beats down on them, and what happens, folks? They wither, and they cease. Oh, my heaven, I've seen that. People excited for Jesus for the moment, but then something happened. Some tragedy happened. Some problem happens. They lose a loved one tragically. They, they sit there and they maybe lose their job and, and, you know, maybe they were doing alright, but then all of a sudden stuff happens and all of a sudden, it's like, you don't see them anymore. Where, where's so-and-so? I haven't seen them in a while. Or, shouldn't they have gotten over that already by now? And, you know, and they're gone. This is what Jesus is saying. Momentary response cannot survive testing. You know, you, you say, I'm here, George. I'm not like that first group. I, I'm not blinded. I see the truth. But maybe, here's the thing. Maybe your response here today is simply one of excitement for the moment. But man, watch out. Something's coming. Here's what happens. When it happens, here's what goes on. You get angry at God. God, why did you allow this to happen to me? God, I prayed. If this is what it's like, I'm done. How many of us know folks like that? There's a lot of them in our community, isn't it? Faith was shallow. It was shallow. When the testing came, the sad thing is, is you may be here and you don't realize it, but your faith is shallow and the testing is yet to come and it will test you. There's a third group here. Jesus is saying there's a third response to him. Here's what he says. Look with me at verse 14. Boy, this is the North American response here. Listen to me. And now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they have heard go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. This is another group here. Look with me. Some respond and are soon overwhelmed by the world. This group here, this is the group that that hears and accepts it and says, yes, I need this Jesus. But soon, Jesus becomes really small to them because other things mean more to them. Other things, uh, the toys of this world, four-wheelers and all this other stuff, mean more hunting and... Uh, you know, I I don't know what you ladies are into, but, you know, whatever you're into, it it just becomes more to you. And all you want is the stuff. And, And it may not even be the toys of the world. It may be how big your bank account is, how big your retirement is. It may be the vacations. It may be all of this stuff. And all of a sudden that stuff means more than anything. And then, before you know it, it chokes out. Oh, yeah, you, you know, that Jesus thing, yeah, I remember that yeah, I, I prayed that prayer, but my job that's more important than anything, My kids that's more important than anything, prestige and toys and stuff they just smother it out. That's what Jesus is saying here, and all, we know we know folks like this too, don't we We know folks it's not the tragedies that drove them away. it's just that they got overwhelmed and too busy doing their other stuff. It's affluence, pleasure, privilege. They don't need Jesus anymore. I'm going to be honest with you folks, I'm going to be honest with you. Listen to me, I don't think those folks are saved either. You may be here and you don't realize it, but it's yet to happen. The stuff's yet to roll your way and and, and, and yeah, you're here now, but when this stuff does happen and you get what you want, you, you buy that ticket and you got some money. Here's the reality. It's going to choke you out. But there is a fourth group. Here's what I want you to see. Look with me, verse 15. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. There are some, listen to this, some truly believe and their lives show it. Here again, let me explain to you what fruit is. When you look at verse 15, fruit, we've already talked about this, because remember earlier when Jesus was talking, he said, out of a good heart comes fruit. Fruit is a metaphor, a Jewish metaphor for two things, character and action. Character and action. So oftentimes in our circle of churches, in Baptist churches, we've said fruit is people getting saved. That is not what it's talking about here. It's saying that if the Word of God takes hold in your heart and you truly believe it, it's going to be reflected in your life because your life is going to change. How? In my character and in my action. You're going to be a different person. You're going to be different. Let me go ahead and say this. You may not like this, but if you're the same way you were 25 years ago when you first came to Jesus and you're the same way now, I question whether or not you truly know Jesus. Because the work of the Holy Spirit is to produce the fruits of the Spirit in your life. And if character isn't changing, and if actions aren't changing, there is a question about whether or not you truly know Jesus. Because why? Because I know from the Scripture that He is conforming us into the image of Christ. That's sanctification, folks. And it continues until the day that we go to be with Him. See, a good heart, the good soil receives it and truly believes, and their lives are changed. You know, here's the reality, folks. We, every one of us here, belongs to one of these four groups. Do you realize that? Some will say, well, you know, I haven't made my decision about Jesus. Well, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, that is a decision. You belong to one of these four groups here. And so, when I said that we were starting out and I was preaching at you, I am preaching at you collectively. The Holy Spirit is the one who gets specific. And as you hear the Word, you fall into one of these two groups. You're either blinded, you're either shallow, and you're getting ready to be uprooted by some tragedy. You're either going to be choked out by the stuff of this world because that's where your focus is, or you're you're really allowing God's Word to take root in your life, and it's going to be reflected in your character and your actions. We belong to one of those four groups. That's where we're at. So let me just conclude it with some thoughts here. Here's the first one. Do you understand? Remember, Jesus divided them first up into two groups, those who understood and those who didn't? So let me ask you, do you understand? If you're here and you're not getting it, my friends, you need to start praying for yourself. If you're here and you're like, man, oh man, I just listened to you for 30 minutes, George, and
0: what are you talking about?
1: If you haven't gotten it, you don't understand, and you need to pray for yourself. God, I need to understand. God, open my eyes. I don't understand. But here's the sad thing. If you don't understand, you're not even going to pray that prayer. Because the reality is is you've already made up your mind. And all I can do is pray for you that you would see. So the question is, do you understand? Now, for the rest of you, you've been given the gift, you do understand, but so you gotta go a little bit deeper than just asking yourself, do you understand? You gotta go a little bit deeper. Here's the, here's the, what, what is your response? Now, I can't answer that for you, only you can. I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that question for yourself. What is my response to Jesus? And and here's what's going to determine it. Is it like you want Jesus because you know you feel happy with Jesus and you want, oh wow, it's wonderful and I love the atmosphere, but then as soon as some problem happens, God, why'd you let that happen to me? I'm out of here. That's one response, isn't it? The other response is, is, Oh yeah, I like that Jesus, but man, I gotta have my toys. The job's important. Man, I've got my dreams, Jesus, for my house. And that stuff can consume you to, to no end and stifle out the rest. Now, let me just be honest with you. Every one of us can fall trapped to this one. Ambition, all of it, can, can, can lead you to the place where Jesus becomes less than it and, and, and the focus of what you want becomes greater. Or you're that last group. You hear, you believe, and it takes root in your heart, and it shows in your life. What's your response? I can't answer that for you. Only you can. What's your response? How are you responding? There's a final thought. It's actually a statement. It's it's an encouragement. Allow God's Word to go deeper. You know, I shared with you, if you were here last week, I, I shared with you, and I And I'm becoming more convinced as the weeks go by that God is about to do something. And I shared with you last week. Remember what I shared with you last week? If you can't remember, I'll remind you that we need to get ready for the next level of what God wants to do with us as a church. Which means we need to, George, you need to, you, you need to get yourself ready with your life. And this this is part of it. You've got to allow God's Word to go deeper. It's got to take root in your life. It's got to be more than just two hours or one hour on Sunday mornings. You understand me? See, if you're the one hour on Sunday morning, that's enough for me to get me through the week, Jesus, you're going to respond in one of the two ways earlier. You're going to be overwhelmed by tragedy when it comes, or you're going to be overwhelmed by the stuff of this world because that's where your focus is going to be. But if you allow God's Word to take root in your life, to examine you, to break you down, to build you up, it's going to change your character, and it's going to change your actions. you got to allow it to go deeper. Hey, you know what? Here, I already I know, because I, I know, look, man, this is weak. God has beaten me up. I don't know how else to say it. He is showing me. He's like, man, you want them to go to the next level? How about you go to the next level? And he's, and he's. How about you? Let the word get deeper in your life, George. See, folks, we got to get ready, and the way to get ready is for us to respond like that fourth group. We got. This is what I'm saying. What's your response? If you're in one of those other groups, you're going to get. You're going to get the. You're going to get your legs kicked out from underneath you. It's either tragedy is going to happen, or. The stuff of this world is going to distract you, but you've got to make a decision. And here's what my decision is, folks: Come with me. Let's go deeper. Let's let God's word take root in our lives. Let it show forth in our lives. Let's go deeper. That's the response Jesus wants from us. What happens? You're going to be amazed. I don't know what that's going to be like, but it's sure going to be different than what it is now. What's your response? Go deeper with Him. Go deeper.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you.